You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein. Today's episode, I Can See You Through the Radio. I'm still not sure how it happened, that my voice got on the radio. One moment I was in a taxi complaining about my troubles to a cabbie working an overnight shift, and the next, I was being broadcast to the multitudes. And I'm not speaking metaphorically here either. The driver turned on the radio, probably to drown out my whining, and there it was, my voice. There was a slight delay, but for the most part, everything I was saying was simultaneously coming out of the radio speaker on the dashboard of the taxi. At first I thought this was some kind of practical joke, that I was on a reality television program, so I shut my mouth, not wanting to give the candid camera the satisfaction of my embarrassment. When we got to my house, I silently paid my fare and exited the taxi cab. Once inside my home, I picked up the phone to call a friend to tell them about the joke that had been played upon me. As I was telling the story, out of reflex, I turned on the radio to catch the late-night news, and there it was, once again, my voice on the radio. Quickly I shut my mouth and got off the phone. In a daze I started removing my clothing and rushing about my apartment in search of microphones. At first I was sort of lackadaisical, checking behind couch cushions and unscrewing light fixtures. But eventually, as the sun started to rise, I found myself prying up floorboards. How did all this happen, I wondered. Mine used to be a voice that could only be heard by one or two people at a time, three tops if I was lucky. It was a voice listened to by intimates and confidants, maybe the occasional gas meter reader or neighborhood butcher, and that was usually just for a few seconds at a time. I mean, I had to practically hold a person down in a headlock, my lips pressed to their ears to get them to listen to me for more than a few minutes. Back in those days, when my voice was unmodulated, unconverted into radio waves, my conversations were my own. Now my most secret pensées are shared with the masses. Every whisper, murmur, ejaculatory elocution, all broadcast through the radio. I try my best to control stomach gurgles and hiccups. When I wake up in the morning, I drink a full glass of liquid honey in order to keep my vocal pipe silky, capable of producing sounds that are pleasing to the ear. This is because the entire world, with its trees, parking lots, and living rooms, is my studio. Unlike those free and easy pre-broadcast days, now I must think about what I'm going to say in hopes that I might sound smart and kind rather than mean and stupid. I think out what I'm about to say before I say it, and I try not to stutter. When I'm in a restaurant and I thank the waiter, I try to be eloquent. I try not to talk behind people's backs either. And if I do, I plan ahead. I make sure that they'll be nowhere near a radio when I am aligning them. When I run into friends, I am told that I am legally required to tell them that if they stand closer than two feet from me, their voices will be broadcast with my own. My radius picks up voices and then hurls them across the country through some magical act of ventriloquism. I have spoken with doctors and amateur ham radio enthusiasts alike, and no one can make any sense of it. I used to be just like you. When I whispered to a loved one, it was for their ears and no one else's. But now, my pillow talk is delivered through a megaphone. My asides in movie theaters shouted from the rooftops. 
but like everything else, it is something one learns to live with. John, don't you have any pride? What, what are you talking about? Well, you, have to, you seem to have an inability to recognize that certain things don't belong in a mass medium. You talk about the most intimate things to the, to the average uh, person uh, scrolling by on the radio dial. I mean, they hear things about you that are they're intimate. Uh, you, you seem to have no qualms about sharing them. I don't understand it. Normal people wouldn't do that. What are you talking about? I, I'm, I have nothing to hide. I'm you're not... right, you have nothing to hide, and that's what you talk about. You talk about how your, your, your tuna salad had too much salt in it. That's what you're talking about. You're talking about how, you know, you have a, you have a bunion on your foot that's itching. There should be a limit to self-revelation. That uh, you're basically you're 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 becoming naked on the radio. I think I think it's helpful to people. Helpful to who? Well, it, you know, it's like what Oprah Winfrey does. Oprah, Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, it's something that you know. It's like oh. it's, she does this. It, it offers comfort to people. Oprah. Yeah. Well. Oprah. Yeah. That's who you're comparing yourself to now. Oprah. Well, I mean, you know. You're the Canadian Oprah. Dr. John, maybe that could be you. Dr. Goldstein. Hmm? No, I, I'm Dr. Goldstein. That is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. You I'm just saying that, you know, people listening can say, oh, yeah, hey, you know, I've, I've been there, too. I feel less alone. Are you out of your mind? What possible, has, what what sense of grandiosity has overtaken you? Not a sense of grandiosity at all. It I absolutely think, is. Like I'm just saying, you know, I'm, I'm the everyman. John, I'm, you're not everyman. You're not even one man, okay? You're like, you're like three-quarters of a man. Well, look, you know, I mean, you're guilty of the same thing. I mean, you have been on, you know, you have been on the radio with me, and you have shared a lot of very personal details about your own life. It's true. Your girlfriend troubles, and, you, you know, your pains, and oh my your God. loneliness. Oh, that is unbelievable. You, you, you are the most shameless. You've dragged it out of me. You've forced me. you no, turned no. me out. You, John, you taped me without my knowledge. No, that, that isn't true. It absolutely is I've true. always told you. I've willingly talked on the radio. I cannot even talk to you on the phone without doubting your motives. You're probably taping me right now. See, you have absolutely no shame. You know what? You're so crazy that you actually probably are taping it. Okay, can I say something? Can I rebut? Yes, rebut. I didn't know you butted in the first place. I am tape recording you. Listen, I, I, think, that, um, I think that when you share your problems with me, that... Um, that some good comes out of it, that people feel less alone. People are able to relate to your problems and feel maybe, you know, less strange about themselves. And I mean, like, 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 for instance, like you were telling me just a couple of days ago, you know, that whole thing that you do with the apron, you know, like, 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 that's the kind I, of... The, the apron? My God, I, I can't, I can't tell you anything. It's unbelievable. What? You, you know, that, that apron story is mine. You can't have it. Okay, well, I, it's not yours. Right. I, I'm just bringing it up as an example. I, I, as you no, know, you know what? Kind you of... never neutrally bring anything up as an example. You always so, want to pump me. It's. I'm just bringing. It's a little picadillo kind of thing that that you know. I bring it up as an example of a personal eccentricity. Go ahead. It's, tell. It's, like... not, it's not an eccentricity. There's nothing. There's nothing eccentric about it. Right. Like what's so, what's so wrong about that, it? That's right. I mean nothing. I I I. I I like to wear uh, I like to wear the apron that my grandmother used to wear. Okay, a, that's normal. A beautiful gingham apron because you know an apron isn't only for cooking. Okay, right. an apron is 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 is, is an honored um, family heirloom. So let me get this straight. You so you lace yourself up? Yeah, that's right. Like a corset? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, no, no. Why do you have to sexualize everything? No, I mean I'm I'm just trying to paint a picture. Well, don't. Okay. It's what you do on the radio. Unpaint. Okay. What what radio? This is not on the radio. Right.
look, I don't know about you, but 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 I had I had I had a swell grandma, and 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 I used to spend you know many many uh, afternoons when I was a wee lad over at her place, you know, and she'd be baking and cooking and 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 it's soothing, okay? Mm. It's soothing. It's like a, it's like you know I I if I if I'm caught up in a, in a hectic work day. Mm-hmm. And you know when I feel I need some nurturing, there's no one there to nurture me, and there hasn't been since Chrissy left. You know, I just, I just, I just put on the apron, and I just, you know, and just, just the act of tying it on, and you know, it's got that big fluffy, you know, big fluffy squirrel on the front, you know, embroidered on it, and I don't know, it's just, it's just, I don't know, it reminds me of my grandma, and yeah, I think that's totally sweet. It kind of smells a little bit like my grandma. So now, you know, if there is even just one person out there prancing around in their grandmother's apron, hey. You know, then you have you've succeeded in making them feel a little bit better, and I think that makes it all worth it. You know, were it to go out on the airwaves, then then and it would so- help soothe someone. Sure, but I, I don't know who that person would be. I think that person is everyone. I mean, I think there's a little bit of Joshua Carpatti in in all of us. God help us all. <laughs> Um, so, Alice, wh- what exactly is your title? I'm a sound ecologist. Uh-huh. And wh- what does that mean exactly? It basically means that I am I'm working on a catalog of uh, sounds that are all around us all the time. For example, I'm uh, right now I'm talking to you and I'm sitting in my living room. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting in a house that was built in about 1871. Wow. And, and if you think about... You know, all of the hundreds of people, maybe not hundreds, a lot of people who've lived in this house, they've all done a lot of talking. And that sound is still bouncing around in this room. Whitney, you're talking about, like, you're literally talking about the voices of the dead. Yes, that's correct. Because the sound is a sound wave and it's just bouncing back and forth. You know, it's, it's bouncing all around. All of the conversations, all of the breakups, all of the marriages, all of the deaths, all of the, you know, you can still hear them. Yeah, well, I mean, when you say that, you, I mean, you're being metaphorical? No, I mean, it literally is bouncing around in this room right now. And I'm just adding to it by sitting in this room and talking. I mean, and, and this is not some kind of, like, this isn't a paranormal science? This is actually no, no, accredited? No, it's actual science. Uh-huh. I'm recording them for uh, academic study. So, so these are sounds that cannot be picked up by, you know, normal normal hearing without the right equipment. Like, that's right. Um, I have this very sensitive recorder, and so you can see, you know, I have there are these little bar graphs on the bottom, and mm-hmm. the bars go up and down, and it just it just picks up, you know, most sound picks up, you know, three gigahertz, and this picks up sixty seven gigahertz. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it doesn't mean anything, but uh, you know, it just it a lot of Gigahertz. Alice, like this, this sounds like very sad sort of stuff that you do. Oh, it's, it's really sad. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's just, you know, these people are long gone and they've been remembered maybe by people in their family with a, maybe they have a photograph or a piece of, you know, uh, someone's dress or a, an old crinkled rose that someone had 
taken to a party with them or something. And and what I have are, I mean, I'm actually hearing the actual sounds coming out of their mouths a um, hundred years later. You know, Aunt Bertha, who lived in 1873, who yelled at her dog for eating, you know, her socks. And those are the kinds of things that this is this is direct access to those moments. Mm-hmm. It's it's very hard to not get caught up in the drama of what you're hearing. You know, you hear you hear all these fights between teenagers and parents, and you want to you know throw in your two cents, and then I forget that like oh this was a hundred years ago, and I can't actually say you know listen to your mother. This is you know you should you should listen to your mother or, you know, eat your peas or whatever, um, or don't eat that coal, you, you'll get cancer, which is, you know, something that if you could go back in time and tell people things that they, things of that nature, mm. that we didn't know that eating coal would give you cancer or whatever. Can you actually uh, imitate what it sounds like when you hear these voices? Yeah, um, there's, um, let me think, something I've heard recently. Okay, so I told you I live in this house that was built around 1870. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple of nights ago, I heard very, very quietly, and I'll just, I'll just imitate it as best as I can. I'm not a, I'm no rich little, but let me just mm-hmm. give you this, what I, what I heard. Okay. okay you ready? Yeah. Oh, I- did you hear that? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did like, uh, yeah, you, would you say hi? No, let, let me do it again. Okay. Just listen. All right. Okay. Hi. Did you hear that? I did, yeah. Um, yeah. It sounded like you were saying hi. No, yeah, it's, it's hard. It, what, what I had heard was, oi. Someone, you know, stubbing their toe. Huh. That's what I imagine has happened. Um, Do you have with you any of the tapes that you've made uh, of of these of these uh, of these voices? I do. Would you like to hear something? Yeah, I would love to. Do you Do you think you could play uh, something over the telephone? Yeah. I'm Great. Just, yeah. Put this up here. Could you um, Could you also explain yeah. maybe what what you're going to be playing for me? Uh, this, what I'm going to play is a, uh, it's a recording I did, uh, about a year ago. Okay. Um, and what you're going to hear is, well, it starts off with a woman crying. Mm-hmm. And then you hear a baby crying after that. And, and then you hear some, uh, hammering. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just play that. It's about 15 seconds. Okay. 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 Amazing, right? Uh, Alice, did you did you play it? Yeah. I, I don't know if I was able to hear that over the telephone. Have you um have you have you shared a lot of your findings, or uh, rather, have I mean, have you have you shared any of your findings with um with other people? Do you have colleagues? You know, I don't. Um, it is a new field, and with all new fields, you're sort of a, um, you know, you're. It's a frontier. 
well, I'm just going to play it one more time, and this time just just listen. <laughs> just listen to what it is, okay? okay. Oh, is really? there any way you'd be able to turn it no, up? Let me turn something? it up. Let me see if I can turn it up. Hang on. Okay. 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 About 15 seconds. Okay, ready? All right. I yeah I don't um I don't I don't think I don't think you could hear it. Yeah, you you didn't hear that. I don't I don't I don't think so, Alice. Are you in like a loud room or something? No, I'm in uh, I, I'm in a studio, so it's it's uh, quiet. It's probably pretty quiet. Yeah, it's yeah. <clears throat> mhm. Is it is it lonely being the only one who, you know, I mean, uh, uh, as of now, can can hear these people? Um, it can be. Um, it can be. I, you know, I mean, I live alone and I have a cat, but I I have I kind of have the best of both worlds because I have the companionship of these other people, and yet I'm not I'm not really directly involved in the little dramas that they are talking about. I mean, I'm not. Um, I don't ever have to yell at them to, you know, put the milk away or put the seat down in the toilet, none of that stuff. Um, but I, I have the kind of benefit of having people around. Does, you know, does that make sense? I think so. I, I've lived in this, this, this apartment that I've lived in for about 13 years, and um, I think about picking up and moving somewhere. And the idea of leaving all these people is so depressing and so sad because... Um, they're really my friends, and I feel like I have a place in the world because I can, I'm listening to them. Um, you know, nobody else is. see you arriving at the party, holding your clock radio with the cord dangling down to your feet. You're distracted as you greet the host. You're already searching for a spare outlet, a spare room where you can shut the door and listen to your favorite radio show, which is about to start. Bob always said you were antisocial, but now Bob has a new wife and a new home in California, and you are free to be as weird as you want. You're at the sink washing dishes, hands in hot water, half listening to the radio. You remember a dream you had last night about the family dog you never had. In the dream, he lived for 50 years and was finally sick and dying. The loss you feel is huge and inconsolable. You squeeze the sponge and cry real tears for this old dream dog. You're sitting in a folding chair. The radio plays to an audience of piled boxes. How do you say goodbye to a house that you've lived in for 25 years? It's been too big a place for a long time. The kids don't even come home for summers anymore. But now leaving seems sudden. You touch the banister, then the scarred and grotty countertop you always meant to have redone. 
Tonight is the last night in your old bedroom with the elms out the window. You climb out the window onto the flat gravel roof. A church procession left a trail of petals, red, yellow, and pink on the street. The radio pipes music from its spot on the windowsill. You get a good view of the sunset from here. The neighbors always freak out when they hear the sound of your footsteps coming through their ceiling. So you just lie down on the warm gravel and look at the sky. I see you opening drawers and cupboards. You're late for a barbecue. You forgot the skewers and had to come back to get them. The house always looks different when you come back in a minute after you've left. It's as if you're seeing its secret side. The radio is playing softly to deter burglars. It seems so peaceful. People are waiting for you. Your husband is fidgeting in the car. You pull out a chair and sit down. In the driveway, you sit with a large pepperoni double cheese on the passenger seat next to you. You wait a minute before you take it up to the door and ring the bell. You think about how, when you dropped your daughter off earlier, she insisted on getting out at the corner. You wonder what it is about her friends she doesn't want you to see. The pizza gives off warm, doughy vapors from inside its padded envelope, and the radio plays an old song you used to like. You sing along in the way that drives your daughter crazy. Then it hits you. She doesn't want her friends to see you. I see you through the radio in a taxi on the way to the airport. You sit in the air-freshened back seat, regretting the fight you had before leaving. All you did was remind him about garbage day. He said he thought he could handle it. That's what set you off. He has never, ever, even once taken out the garbage in five years. Still, it was dumb to blow up. Dumb to say you just might not come back to your stinking hellhole of a life with him. You'll have to call him from the departures lounge to apologize. I see you stepping into the beer fridge at the corner store. It's cold and quiet and dim inside. You grab a case of whichever beer is closest and turn to get out of there. The door handle won't budge. You're locked inside a freezing safe. You put down the beer and push on the handle with both hands. You bang on the thick metal door. Nothing. About to scream, you nudge the handle one last time. It turns and you step out into the fluorescent light and the blare of the radio. Room temperature has never felt so welcoming and warm. You clutch the box of cold bottles from your expedition. The guy at the counter wants to know if that will be all. On the bus, headphones nestle in your ears. The girl with the crazy ringlets wasn't there tonight, and the whole class fell flat without her in the seat by the door, tilting her head, noting everything down in the fast slant of her writing. You started wondering where she was and if she'd be back next time. On the bus, you can see that you got so distracted by this wondering that the notes you took on the romantic poets are useless. You close your eyes and imagine her dancing to the music in your head, her ringlets curling through the air.
On your bed, you clamp a pillow to your head. You try to drown out the sound, but you can still hear it. Your mother has it on non-stop. Leaving the room doesn't help. She keeps radios on in all different parts of the house. The dull blips signal news on the hour. What could have happened since the last news an hour ago? When you move out, you vow you won't ever own a radio. You open the window of your apartment and inhale the scent of rain hitting warm concrete. A car pulls up with the radio on. The calendar says summer hasn't started yet, but it's already hot. All the kids made art for Father's Day at daycare. This made your son ask, where is my daddy? You tell him he lives far away. You take his painting, heavy with glued macaroni, and say you'll mail it. But for that, you would need an address. I see you through the radio, both of you listening at opposite ends of the country. Every night you trade the events of your days, separated by lives in different cities. Sometimes you both sit like this, telephone in hand, not speaking, just listening to the radio. It's a way of doing something together, a way of being in the same room at the same time, even though you're hundreds of miles apart. Wiretap today, you heard Joshua Carpati, Wendy Dore, and Sarah Gilbert reading her work, I Can See You Through the Radio, which was inspired by listener emails sent into Wiretap. Wiretap is written and performed by Jonathan Goldstein and produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Sarah Gilbert and Carolyn Warren. Production help from Mira Bertwintonic. <laughs>